and girls, ladies and gents, welcome to another episode of Clutch Conversations. It's your boy Mike. We are back at you one more again on a Thursday night. I hope everybody's having a great day. I know I'm ready to get into this interview, but before we get into this interview, a few housekeeping items. First and foremost, if this is your first time coming to the channel, please hit that subscribe button. It really helps us out a lot. Everybody watching this video on YouTube, please hit that like button and definitely check out our guests. The links for our guests and all his social media platforms are in the description of this video. So really appreciate the support. Speaking of support, if you are involved in this hobby in any shape, form, or fashion, please make sure you're out there supporting U.S. Art and U.S. Art Florida. You can support both of those organizations regardless of where you live in the United States of America, regardless of where you reside at. Definitely make sure you support those organizations. That's U.S. Art and U.S. Art Florida. The links for both of those organizations are in the description of this very video. Before we bring Herbert out. I want to say what's up to a few early pippers in the chat. So what's good? Metal scales reptiles. You said second, but you first on my list um, from the order that I see. So you first to pill tonight. What's good? Thanks for coming out. Chantel, what's good? Thanks for coming out. Pacific Rim Surface. Appreciate the support. The big homie Matt Yates. Thanks for coming out. What's good, bro? Esther Bun, what's good, bro? What's good, bro? Gay, what's good, brother? Thanks for coming out. Appreciate the support. Eric, what's good, brother? Thanks for coming out. Thanks for coming out. Let's see who else we got. Constricted Connection, what's good, fam? Thank you for coming out. Blakers, Pythons, thanks for coming out. Chat going crazy early tonight. Jeremy, what's good, brother? Thanks for coming out. What's good? D's, Balls, and Exotics, thanks for coming out. Miguel, what's good, brother? Thank you for coming out. Sacred Serpents, Chantrell. That's a tongue twist to say that three times fast. Thank you for coming out, Chantrell. PCF Funny Rolls, thank you for coming out. Matt Burton, KMB Reptiles, thank you for coming out. Chris Royal Constrictors, thanks for coming out. The big homie right up the road. Brian, what's good, brother? Y'all make sure y'all go give Brian a vote for the snakes and the fat man. 15 minutes of lame contest. Go get a big homie a vote. Cole, what's good, brother? Thanks for coming out. What else we got? Look like I caught everybody. So without further ado, we're going to bring the homie Herbert to the stage from HB Reptiles. What's good, bro? Well, what's up, man? How you doing? Doing good, doing good, doing good. Happy to be here. Me too. <laughs> so real quick, uh, tell the people a little bit about yourself and, and give us a little bit of background outside of the reptiles. Outside of the reptiles? Yeah. Oh, Hair man. Right there's... The start. <laughs> <laughs> man, outside of reptiles, I'm I'm pretty boring. I, mean, I, don't, I don't do much. <laughs> you sound like me, bro. <laughs> yeah. I'm a little bit of a gamer and, and other than that, I'm I'm kind of a homebody. I just kind of chill here and, you know, just got into reloading ammo uh, within the past couple of weeks. And that's kind of like my, my hobby. If you asked me, you know, three weeks ago, Hey, do you have a hobby? I would have been like, no, <laughs> I, I don't do anything for fun. I just, I, I take care of ball Python, but no, I just started reloading ammo. So that's kind of fun. Yeah. So you yeah, I just started. So rounds, or are you uh, kind of uh, doing a whole bunch of different? 
uh, right now, just some two, two, three. I got, I, okay. I got a bunch of them uh, drying. Oh, nice! <laughs> here nice. in the snake room, nice. it's nice to dry nice. there because you know it's a nice eighty degrees in here. But yeah, just something I'm kind of easing into, trying to make sure I don't blow myself up. <laughs> okay, and so you in New York, right? Yeah, unfortunately. What are the uh, gun laws like there in New York? They're horrible. They're absolutely horrible. Um, we have pistol permits up here. Okay. Unfortunately, yes. Um, up until September, you could purchase a semi-automatic weapon with no problems. Now, uh, thanks to our lovely governor that we have, um, you have to be 21 to purchase a semi-automatic rifle, and it's basically considered like a pistol permit. You have to oh, actually really? have a permit to purchase like an AR-15 or or even uh, like a Ruger 10-22 that is automatic. It's not, not a, or sorry, not automatic, but semi-automatic and not bolt action. You actually really? have to get a permit for it. So it's, it's crazy. It's, fairly, it's crazy. Like, relatively speaking, it's fairly lax, you know, in Florida. Yeah, like, Florida's, I mean, Florida's a great like, state for guns. It's nothing like Arizona <laughs> or Texas or anything like that, but it's right. relatively speaking, um, count of blessings, right? Yeah, for sure. It's at least an open carry state. <laughs> well, Florida, Florida's not open carry. It's not? Nah, nah. So Texas is and Arizona is, but Florida isn't open carry. Georgia's open carry. Where I'm from is open carry, but Florida is not open carry. Gotcha. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah. Yeah, but Florida's one of the one of the twenty five states that isn't twenty five are twenty five aren't. So obviously <laughs> New York's uh not a not an open carry state. <laughs> okay, 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 okay. So how long you been in? How long you been into the ammo? Not to get too deep down the the uh, guns and ammo rabbit hole, but how long you been into? <laughs> you say three weeks. You started pressing, but I know you didn't just start three weeks ago. You didn't. You uh, didn't pretty much, right yeah. Into, for real? Yeah. You just went straight much into just... reload into reload ammo. That's dope. Yep. Yep. I got a bunch of equipment from my wife's grandfather uh, when he passed away a couple years ago. And now I'm finally just trying to figure out what I'm doing and obviously trying to do it the safe way and, you know, trying to get more modern equipment so I can do it the best way. And yeah, it a lot of learning, a lot of YouTube videos. <laughs> okay. You get, to go, you get to go to the range much? Uh, not really. I've got a buddy, uh, that lives five minutes from me. Uh, I actually, I think it was Jeremy that commented in the, in the comments there. Um, okay. he's an ex army ranger snake breeder as well. He's five minutes from me. So oh, I need nice. to go shooting. I've got nice. a good, good place up there and a good instructor. Okay. That's dope. That's real dope. That's real dope. Yeah. So talk about how you got into the reptiles, man, pretty much my whole life. Um, you know, my story isn't, much different than anybody else's. You know, I grew up just starting with dinosaurs and, you know, that just kind of morphed into other reptiles and just, you know, looking at books and pictures when I was super young. And um, we lived near like on the outskirts of a city. And so there was some woods behind our house and I would go back there and collect some garter snakes and, you know, find frogs and turtles and um, milk snakes and and that was about it. You know, up here in New York, we don't have a lot of variety, especially where I live. There's really not much of anything, but, gotcha. and it just kind of morphed into that. Um, there was a big gap um, from when, oh man, probably I was 15 or so. And at that point, like I didn't have any more reptiles. And then 
I had left my job back in 2017 and um, told my wife, I'm like, you know, I, I wanted a ball python for, for years, you know, many, many years and just never got one. So I think I'm just going to get one. And so I got on Craigslist and I found someone that was getting rid of uh, an enclosure and an adult female ball python and whatnot. And, you know, I, I think I paid like 75 bucks for everything. And just there it was, you know, kept it totally incorrect. Uh, it was in one of the big exoterra, you know, 18 by 18 by 36, you know, enclosures, just a red light on top and an upside down Tupperware bowl that had a little <laughs> spot cut out of it, you know, for, for a hole for it to go in. And, and that was that, you know, and then from there, uh, I realized that there was a thing called reptile shows. I had no idea okay. they existed. Okay. And so probably, uh, man, probably three, four weeks or so after I got my first ball python, I went to the reptile show and came home with, I think, nine, nine ball pythons. Oh, just wow. Random morphs. And wow. From that one show. I did everything you're not supposed to do getting into ball pythons. You know, just go out there and just buy, buy, buy with <laughs> no plan, you know, no, no thought about what you're doing. And so uh, when you when you bought yeah. those nine at that point, were you just buy nine just to have like nine more ball pythons or were you kind of like loosely thinking, hey, I'm going to breed these? Yeah, I was loosely thinking um, like I had already decided I was going to breed at that point. I guess I, I skipped okay. that step in there. So in between me getting my first ball python and this reptile show in that three or four weeks, uh, I binged watched every single Brian Barcheck video there was on YouTube. Okay. And and I was, I told my wife, I'm like, ah, I'm going to start breeding ball pythons. And she's like, okay. <laughs> and she's like, I support you <laughs> with that little bit of skepticism behind it. Like, Oh boy. I don't know if we're ready for this. <laughs> yeah. I've been there before. I had a little bit of skepticism at first, but my wife's fully on board now. That's awesome. It's good to have a supportive wife. It's 100%, 100%. very difficult to, to do something like this without the support of your significant other. A hundred percent, brother. Yeah. But yeah, so at that first show, we did have some thoughts, like some things we were looking for. And, you know, everything that I bought was all codoms. You know, I didn't understand the recessive game back then or the importance of it. So everything I got was just codom animals and, you know, just had no idea what I was doing. None whatsoever. So like what, five, six, seven years ago? But how long ago was this? Uh, August of 2017. Okay. Okay. Is is when I got my first ball python. Okay. Dope. Yep. So five years. Yes. It, uh, yeah. Just over five years. That's yeah. what's up. And so you remember what you bought, like in that first nine, the divine nine? Uh, for the most part, yeah. Um, I got a pastel female, a, a proven pastel female whom I okay. still have. Uh, she's actually given me five clutches since I got her oh, wow. every single year I've bred her. I've gotten Solid. a clutch from her. Um, Solid. this is going to be the first year I don't breed her because I, I think I'm past breeding things to a pastel female at this point. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let me see. What else did I get? I got a pastel orange dream female that. Uh, two years later, I ended up finding out was actually a male. Uh, yeah, there's some advice for anyone new in this industry. Anytime you buy a new animal, sex it. Oh, same day you get it, bro. sex it. 100%. <laughs> I learned that. I have made way. that mistake multiple times. 
Uh, let me see. What else did I get? I got a cinnamon male. I got a head albino female. I got a spider male. Uh, I got a 1.1 exantic. Uh, my wife really likes the exantic stuff. Okay. Um, so when, when before the show, I'd looked up prices on exantics and, you know, back then some of them, they were, they were morphs and I didn't even realize And I'm like, Oh, you know, this one's like thousand dollars and this one's fifteen hundred dollars not realizing there was more in it than just exantic and so we get to the show and and uh the exantic project was there and he had a whole bunch of exantics on the table and and we're looking at them and and he gave us a really good deal on on just a 1.1 and uh, i actually still have the female from there she's probably just going to be a lifelong pet she's just a sweetheart gave us our first clutch last year fifth season (laughs) finally gave us a clutch (laughs) so what kind of made you uh target the recessive game you you spoke about like you invested in cold doms kind of early on in the game and then you switched it to recessive so what 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 kind of triggered the evolution of that mindset uh honestly a lot of podcasts um when reptiles unplugged was still uh live uh miguel uh, did a podcast on there just talking about the importance in buying high quality animals. And, you know, you'll always regain the money that you spent if you buy high end animals. And it doesn't mean you have to buy $15,000 animals, but it's hard to recoup costs when you're buying a $200 female and a $150 male. You know, it, it's really hard to recoup those costs. Yeah. But 100%. you buy a couple $5,000 animals and you breed them together. And you're going to get all oh, wow. sorts of, of things, first of all, because chances are you're not just buying a single gene animal for $5,000. You're going to buy a couple codoms, visual recessive, maybe even it's a visual recessive and head for something. You know, and it's a lot easier to recoup your costs that way. And it just makes more sense, you know, breeding quality over quantity. You know, that, that was a big thing. Um, but so that podcast he did... Um, try to think of some of the other ones there was there was a lot of good ones billy did one uh, a little over a year ago and he just kept kept stressing in the podcast that if you're trying to do this as a business you got to go all in you got to risk it you know you're you're not going to get there just nickel and diming your way into the hobby like it's a good way to start you know if you don't have a lot of money but eventually you just got to do what you have to do to press forward. And, and that's when me and my wife decided to take a loan out on her 401k. So then we could just invest in some big animals that would set up our future properly. Okay. So, so uh, yeah. what projects did you invest in with that initial huge investment and how did you go about selecting those projects? Um, so I kind of knew a few things that I, that I already wanted and specifically a few of the people that I wanted to invest my money with. Um, but that's when I invested in my stranger clown male. Uh, he was a pastel core glow stranger clown male. And when I got him, he was already 500 grams. Uh, awesome. He was one of Justin's holdbacks. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He was Justin's holdback. And he was like, you know, I'm on the fence about selling him. Um, but, you know, if you're really interested, I'll, I'll let him go. And I got him in, I think, August of last year. And by the time I started breeding him, he was already at seven, seven fifty. And he was just a, a machine. He, nice. he bred six females and five of them oh, went. Nice. So nice. Can't complain. Yeah. Uh, but I picked up a bunch of, of good animals. I picked up uh, 
high intensity, super OD, Cypress, het clown female from Ozzy. From Ozzy? Okay. Um, that sounds like Ozzy yeah. production. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, most of my OD stuff I like to get from the source because I know it's going to be the, the best quality OD that you can get. Yeah, that OG um, OD. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I picked up uh, a pastel Enchi Hypo DG female from, uh, from Fireball, from Jeremy down there. Okay. She's doing good. She's going to start breeding this year. I got her going to a redhead Mojave Hypo. So oh, nice. trying to go into that, you know, 100% visual hypos, 100% desert ghost stuff and get redhead in the mix. And, you know, just trying to work on some good, good uh, projects that aren't readily available. So I'm hearing where clown, I'm, I'm hearing hypo, I'm hearing DG. I know you got some Ultramel stuff working too. Oh, I got lots of Ultramel stuff <laughs> in the works. <laughs> <laughs> and that one animal, and you know which one I'm talking about, that animal I hit this year, man, that's that's a game changer. That was crazy, man. Bro. You know, it was crazy. When we were at Tinley and, and I brought my Ultramel pied, like it's – in and of itself, it's not a crazy animal. Like there's lots of Ultramel pides out there in the market right now. Um, but you know, I brought it just because it was something I was proud of. It's the first Ultramel pied I've ever hit. And, uh, you know, I'm just growing it up. And my goal for that was just to breed some sort of clown to there and work on Ultramel clown pides on, on the down low, because I'm not a big pied fan. I think pied is pretty, but I'm a pattern guy. So literally that Ultramel Pied was the only visual Pied I had in my whole collection. So talking to everybody there about the Ultramel Pied and people are commenting on it and whatever, I had no idea that literally sitting at home that weekend, I had a Ultramel Clown Pied slithering out of the egg. You know, it's just Crazy, absolutely right? insane. <laughs> like within 20 minutes of me being home, I went to go look at that clutch and I'm just like, I think that's an Ultramel Clown Pied. Like talk about it's pied. It's all <laughs> Yeah, like welcome back. I'm here. I'm yeah. I'm here. I'm here. <laughs> oh man, uh, that was so what that did you just do blew you my it? mind. What did you do when you saw it? Well, and my wife was in the room, crazy, and I'm just bro. holding it in my hands, and and I'm just I'm looking at it with my wife, and I'm just like, I mean, that's an ultra mouth. That's a, it. Looks like a pied. And that looks like a clown head. Like, I think we hit an ultimate clown pied, but neither parents were head pied. <laughs> Obviously, they were, but, yeah, yeah. you know, it, it was just, it just That's blew crazy, my mind. Bro. Absolutely blew my mind. Up my lungs, bro. Out of the <laughs> oh, man. That That's not so much better. Like, it's already super dope to hit a triple recessive, but then yeah. to hit a recessive where you didn't even know you had a shot at triple recessive that's crazy. yeah it's mind-blowing yeah yeah and, and honestly what makes it even funnier too is this is the first year i hit double visuals like i've never made a double visual animal until this year and this year i made i think five or six double visuals so i was nowhere near trying to aim for a triple <laughs> <laughs> that was going to be it probably another few years down the road. And so now oh, it just completely yeah. changes my, my thought process and it's a male. So like <laughs> you can't go any better than that. Yeah. Yeah. Just nuts. That's definitely, you must have been living good, bro. Like, oh yeah. That's right. My eyes got <laughs> <laughs> They knew some of the odds that I've hit in the past years. <laughs> <laughs> 
Thanks a lot. Let's give this at. one. You know which way you want to I go have, I have no clue. <laughs> <laughs> I have no clue. Like, I, honestly, I've barely even started thinking about it because, like, as I said, like, Pied isn't one of those those genes that I really work with. So now I'm like, okay, well, I have this animal. What do I actually want to get Pied into? Because my collection isn't set up for that. I don't have right. e- even a single het pied animal. So, oh, wow. okay, so, <laughs> so it would definitely be making a brand new project. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, because I remember you said you only got the one. Okay. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah, that, that is an interesting conundrum, but still. Yeah. Still, I, I, I would have to work it just on general principle. Definitely. Yeah, for sure. it, it's I crazy. Work that one. Yeah, Chris oh, is my buddy there down in South Carolina. Oh, what's good, Chris? <laughs> Thanks for coming out. So what are some of your plans in the Ultramail Cloud project? Because I know you're trying to get deep into that one. So talk about some of your goals for that project. Yeah, uh, Blackhead uh, is a big one that I want to get in the Ultramail Clown project. Um, I've got a bunch of stuff in the works for that right now um, on a few different avenues. So hopefully we'll get some good clutches this year and we'll be able to, to raise some hats. And I think I've got one where I should get some visual clown, Blackhead clown, hat Ultramels. So hopefully we can get some good stuff in there. Um the dark stuff really looks nice with Ultramel, I think. Yeah. And then for sure. Clown, there's just like a cherry on top. Yeah. A few yep, cherries. Definitely. <laughs> yeah, just, just a little heaping of cherries on the top. <laughs> right. <laughs> Your whole bushel or whatever you call it. <laughs> yeah, that'd be yeah. Cool. So definitely. Work, I know you got the Stranger project going on. Are you going to work that into uh, Ultramel as well? Yes. So, unfortunately, the sixth female that he went to last year was a Ultramel Het Hypo, and she was the one that didn't go. Uh, gotcha. So, that kind of put a kibosh on my Stranger Ultramel stuff from last year. Um, gotcha. But I do have a couple handfuls of Stranger stuff growing up right now. Uh, so, some of that is going to be worked into the Ultramel project, especially after seeing the, uh, the Stranger Ultramel um, that Dean made out in Europe. Like, it's just insane. Absolutely insane. I can't wait to see that in the clown version. That's going to be a gorgeous animal. It is. And like, so Stranger Leopard is one of like, one of my favorite combos. Like, I really like Stranger Leopard. And so like, Stranger Leopard, Ultramel Clown, I think it was crazy, bro. Like, crazy. The Vance had a Stranger uh, double hit Ultra Clown on the table at Tilly. It was like sixteen five. Um, I forget how big she was, but who'd you say had that? Levance from Straight Fire. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I, I was so you just gotta think about it, bro. Like if, if he's selling that, like what does he got back in at the facility? What does he got back? In yeah, the yeah. I can imagine because he yeah. always comes out with something absolutely insane. Yeah. So he he probably already has the the stranger double visual. <laughs> Sitting back there and he just hasn't shown anybody. It wouldn't yeah. surprise me. <laughs> I'll post that in February. <laughs> yeah. But he yeah. he's not a flexor at all. So he he'll just I mean he is, but he's he flexes a different way. He doesn't yeah. show every little thing that he's got. He waits exactly. until he has something that just blows your mind and then he's like, Oh yeah, by the way, I have that. 
you know that project you've been working on for the last 10 years? (laughs) I've had it for five. (laughs) (laughs) It's already giving me two clutches. (laughs) (laughs) LeVan's the crazy dude. Yeah, he got some dope stuff. But yeah, I think uh, Stranger is going to be really dope in the Ultimate Clown Project. I'm still... I don't have Stranger in my collection right now. I want it in my collection, and at some point I will have it in my collection. Uh, but I'm definitely not stopping at like Stranger Clowns, right? Like I want to get into some doubles, potentially some triples at some point. So yeah, I feel like that's one of the best ways to to kind of um, shield it from dropping in value is right. to dump it into those double recessive, triple recessive projects, and then obviously figure out like what codoms work the best for. What are um, yep. what are some speaking of that? What are some of the codoms do you think work really well with Stranger? Uh, Red Stripe works really good with Stranger. I don't have okay. any of that, but I've seen it, and that works really good with it. Uh, Spot No seems to work really good. Redhead, uh, Justin made that Redhead Stranger. I think it was just a Heck Clown or something, but that looked really good. Um, somebody said in there. Blackhead Stranger GHI Ultra Clown. Yeah, that'd be that'd be stupid. <laughs> yeah. You're not the eye. <laughs> Throw some hypo in there, you're good. <laughs> yeah. Stranger is just so untapped. Um, like that's is, one thing that I, I learned this year for sure. Uh, with some of my pairings that I did with Stranger, I definitely regret some of the pairings that I did uh, and wish that I had paired it to some better females. Because um, I got a lot of pastel and super pastel Stranger stuff, a uh, bunch of coral glow Stranger stuff, and they're pretty, but it doesn't fit into a lot of my collection because I don't want coral glow in my Ultramel stuff. I don't want super pastel in all of my Ultramel stuff. You know, I want to be able to pick and choose. Um, so that's also what kind of slowed me down a little bit in, uh, or what's going to slow me down in my Stranger Ultramel game. Because now uh, I actually have a Stranger Het Clown male growing up, which is technically a step back from the dad, but he's going to be more powerful in my collection because he doesn't have pastel and coral glow. So I'll be able to utilize him better in some of my animals because I'm only passing the genes on that I want. So lesson learned there. (laughs) Do you have a strategy for that? Like, for example, um, you you spoke about coral glowers. So like, I kind of had that same philosophy with banana. Like I actually really like banana, but I don't want to like proliferate it throughout the collection. And so for me, I'm not holding back a male banana or anything, regardless, regardless of if it's a female maker, male maker, I'm not holding back a male banana most likely unless it's got something that i just absolutely need you know what i mean and i I really need to get that into some other stuff then i'll take my chance but uh if i had my druthers i wouldn't hold back like a male banana anything but i do like some banana stuff and so i kind of like want to make some cool combos but i kind of want to keep banana more on the female side just so i'm not like spreading that around same thing with pastel like i don't dislike pastel i think it goes really well in some combos but I really don't want to like just like pass it around with pastel here, pastel here. I don't, I don't want to be like making it rain with pastel. You feel me? Yeah. So, uh, do you think about it in um, kind of like those terms, or do you just completely stay away from it? Uh, I that's how I think about it now. 
Um, I wish I'd thought about it that way last year. Um, but this year I'm really focusing on my collection, making sure that I'm not just breeding a ton of coral glow stuff and I don't have pastel on both sides of a pairing. So then I can minimize the amount of pastel that I have, because even a lot of the holdbacks that I got last year have pastel in them. Some of them works well, some doesn't. So that's something that even in the next few years, I'm probably going to deal with again, trying to figure out what to pair to some of these female holdbacks I have. So I'm not creating a whole bunch of super pastels. So it's definitely something to think about early on when you're building your collection and not getting to the point where you've bought hatchlings and raised them up. And now you feel like you need to use them because right. you've invested all this time. And then you just start making a whole bunch of super pastel animals or a bunch of coral glow males. And, you know, definitely talk to people, get people's thoughts on things. Exactly. I know for me, like I just looked up one day and I had like all kinds of pastel and I was like, do I really want pastel? Like, this widespread in my collection. Like I'm not a pastel yeah. hater. Like I see some dope animals with pastel, but again, I just kind of want to limit it. You feel me? Right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. For sure. If you can keep it's pastel on your female side as well, that's a good way of doing it because then you can buy powerful males that don't have pastel and then you can put them to multiple females and you're not passing pastel with every single clutch that that male has. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely a, a, a good way to do it. And I'm the same way. Like, I know that now. At first, yeah. I wasn't thinking like that, right? So, I mean, you go through it, though. You go through, like, the school of hard knocks in a way. Like, you learn through experience. You learn through messing up. Like, we was talking before the show. Um, sometimes you just got to mess up, right? And you get better. You learn from those mistakes. And you can you can uh, give some wisdom to somebody else. And hopefully, they don't make the same mistake. So, um, For sure. um, piggybacking off that same note, Speak to some other like mistakes that you kind of made early on that if you had it to do all over again, maybe you would have did it differently. Oh man, where to start? One thing that I am dealing with even this year is not having enough males. Um, you know, everyone always tells you, you know, buy females, buy females, buy females. Well, next thing you know, you got 30 females and you've got three males and you're <laughs> trying to figure out what male can, you know, you can use to put to as many females as you can without killing them. So, you know, a lot of people say, you know, buy, buy your female, then a year later, go ahead and buy your male for that. But there's problems with that too, because what if in two years, your female's up to size but your male decides he's going to be a little bit of a picky eater and doesn't get up to size. Well, exactly. now you're wasting that female for a year too. So I just say, listen, when you know you're going to get into a project, buy your male, buy your female at the same time. If you're buying a powerful enough male, who cares if he's sitting on the, on the shelf for a year not being used? Like if he's a $10,000 female, who cares if you got to feed him rats for an extra year? That shouldn't even be a consideration. That's just a business expense. Gotcha. When you've got when you've got three or four females that are you know two thousand, three thousand, five thousand dollar females, you want to make sure that when they're breeding size and and they're growing follicles, that you've got a male that's ready to go to them. You don't want to take that chance. That's my two cents. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah, bro. Like um, I went through that 
really this year, right? So this is um so technically the second year breeding. Last year we had one clutch, but this is like the, the second year breeding, technically speaking. And I went through that exact same problem, right? Or that exact problem. Not enough males. Like I had males that didn't get up to size. I had males that wouldn't lock. And so like I was kind of short on males. And so I ended up having to like run my pod mail to more girls than I otherwise would have liked to. But just right. having backup males is huge. So do you, when you have your backup males, do you have backup males that are kind of sort of in the same project, but maybe not? Um, maybe he's like a second string guy, right? So it's just like like with a quarterback, right? So you got your starting quarterback, like your franchise quarterback, and then you got a guy <laughs> who, who's more of a game manager. He's not gonna turn the ball over a lot, uh, uh, as much. He's not gonna turn the ball ball over a whole bunch of times and lose the game for you, but he also might not win the game for you either like your franchise quarterback. Right now, I feel like I got some franchise quarterbacks, but I don't know if I necessarily got a, like a true second string kind of guy. <laughs> like I got some third string guys who I can put in or, you know what I'm saying, I can do some trades, right? So I got a guy who I wasn't going to like run through this project, but maybe I can focus on this guy like a little bit more and do a little bit more of that guy, if that makes sense. So do you have your yeah. backup males? Do you have like kind of like a guy that's like a little lesser in that same project? Or do you just have a different male that can lock up? Uh, I've got a little bit of both. Um, so this year, uh, I decided I wanted to invest in the Kraken project, Justin's Kraken mm. project. Uh, but I wanted to add hypo to the project. Okay. So uh, at the beginning of this year, I purchased a male GHI chocolate hypo het clown uh, male, I think I said male already. Um, and so I've got him growing up and then I bought a whole bunch of females that fit into the project this year. But then I decided that I wanted to really invest and buy a good, powerful male. So I was able to find a GHI hypo clown that he's going to become the quarterback. And the first male will actually become I don't, I don't speak football, but he's going to be second. <laughs> second string. He'll <laughs> <Second laughs> be after. <laughs> second string because, yeah, I feel you. Because this year I had, like, some franchise quarterbacks that was raw, but they still had some uh, technical skills that they needed to get down, like actually locking, actually eating, actually mm, yeah. putting on weight. And then I, I didn't have no second string guys. I had some water boys. But the ADL lock, bro. <laughs> hey, you need that Gatorade. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I kind of, I kind of took a kick this year a little bit. I bought a um, a male uh, black pastel spot nose red stripe clown, sixty six percent had ultramel from Justin uh, back in March. And I'm like, man, as long as he's a good solid eater, like I'll be able to get him up to breeding size by by December, no problem. He's a picky eater. So he's off the table for this season. You know, he's sitting at maybe 500 grams now. And, you know, he'll eat mice one week, then he'll take a couple weeks off, then maybe he'll take an ASF. And, you know, I'm just like, I'm not going to risk it. I'm just going to shelf him for the year. And, you know, hopefully next year, you know, he'll be up to size. And by then, too, I'll be able to get him tested and find out if he's had Ultramel. So right. that'll allow me to, uh, figure out exactly what I want to do with him. Like if I want to risk putting him to some het ultramel females and take that risk or 
you know, if I only want them to go to visuals or whatnot, you know, but I'll have a lot more stuff grown up by next year as well. So I'll be able to produce some way better animals with it. Gotcha. So hopefully he proves. Yeah, hopefully. Fingers crossed, bro. May the yeah. guys ever be in your favor. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see that stranger spot nose, yellow belly, 100% head clown, 50% head monsoon that Justin had? It's actually on Morph Market. Uh, I'm not right now. sure. I don't it's think actually, so. It's actually on Morph Market right now. Um, it's in my favorites too, so nobody go out and buy it. <laughs> you stay at my favorites. <laughs> I don't think I'm gonna buy it. I would love to buy it, but nobody go out and buy it. I want to keep it in my favorites. But yeah, that, that's that crazy. That's pretty dope too. Yeah. Um, Did you say that was a male or female? It's a male. Whew. Yeah, that's so, nice. Stranger, spot nose, yellow belly. 100% head clown, 50% head monsoon. And I'm not I'm not into the monsoon project. So if like, just say, um, theoretically speaking, if I were to purchase that guy, it wouldn't be to be in the monsoon project. It would be to... Right. <laughs> Miggy say just added it to the cart. It would be for the... <laughs> it would be for the... It would be for the codoms is in, and obviously the head clown and to run that 50 yeah. I've had like some, some mental like pairings with him. I was like, yeah, I could do this, 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 this. And like I went and counted <laughs> tubs. I was like, I could put him to like six or seven females when he was ready. But um it, it is a significant investment, but it's a dope investment too. So like I feel like uh I feel like you can get your money back. And kind of where I'm going with that is yeah. uh it's been a lot of talk right now about the market outlook. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, you're, you're on Justin's Patreon, so you've seen the Patreon video. For y'all who are not on Justin's Patreon, shame on you. You should be on Justin's <laughs> Patreon so you can see some of this dope shit and so you don't have to complain on Facebook about you can't see it because it's behind a paywall. Um, <laughs> lots of people outside of Justin have been having this exact same conversation, right? So we've had this yeah. conversation on the show a lot. And it's just like the in this circle is a conversation that's had right now. And it's kind of like the market slowdown. So I'm, I'm like, I'm somebody who came in the, in the, in the um, ball Python industry, like during COVID. Right. And so like when I came in, everything was balls to the wall, no pun intended, but like stuff couldn't stay on the shelves, stuff couldn't stay on the table, stuff couldn't stay on more market, IG, what have you. Right. And so like right now, uh, the government pumped all kind of money into the system. Right. And so what does that do? hyperinflation now we're in a recession yep. and, and we're going into probably a deeper recession and so obviously the economic impact affects the ball python market just like it affects any other market so yep. we've seen sales start to slow down on some of the lower end stuff so what's your strategy for the next few years kind of as we go through these these hard times so to speak have you thought about your strategy do you have some specific things you want to do um just tap into that a little bit bro um, so I definitely took advice from Justin's video. Um, and I really rethought about my pairings for this year. Um, and I think I, I reduced, I think 15 ish pairings from this coming season, okay. um, to just focus on the best animals that I can create. Um, with some pairings in there that are still long shots. Um, because obviously I want to still push forward and I've got, I have some clutches with some animals that I could hit some crazy things. Um, so I'm willing to take that risk, 
you know, and, and have those animals sitting on the shelf if need be. Um, but yeah, like, as I said, I, I, I took off probably about 15 pairings of just things okay. that I didn't absolutely need to push my business forward. Gotcha. So with those 15 pairings, uh, so that's uh, at least 15 females. So those females, what are you doing with those females? Are you letting them sit in the racks and just take the year off? Are you selling some of them or are you taking a hybrid approach? Hybrid approach. Yeah. Uh, some of them I'm going to have just sit for the year because they're decent females, just didn't have the right males to go to them this year, but I might next year as some males grow up. Um, but it did kind of make me rethink, okay, well, if, if I'm able to just give these females a year off because I don't consider the pairings to be very valuable, then do I need these females? Exactly. Period. Exactly. Uh, so I think, as Justin also said, I think this is also going to be a very good reflection point to really look at your business and say, what am I doing? What projects am I involved in? Do I want to be involved in all of them? Is there some animals I'm keeping and breeding just because they breed well? You know, so what I like to do every now and then I just get in this mood where I go and in the morning and I get my cup of coffee and I grab a chair and I go in my snake room and I just set the chair down in the middle of my snake room and I just sit there and drink my coffee and just look around my room and every single tub. Just what do I have? Why do I have that snake? What is its purpose? And if I can't come up with a real legit purpose of what it's for, then it's time to go. Like it, it'll, it'll benefit somebody else more than it's going to benefit me. That makes sense. So I, I think it's very important to do in your collection sometime before you get too big, because once you get bigger, it's going to be even harder to, to get into that mindset of letting animals go. So start when you're small, when you've only got, you know, 50 females or whatever, and, and really, really think about what you're pairing. Cause I feel like most people nowadays, we're not trying to be mass producers. Right. I think for the most part, those that era is done. Like there's still some people that have been breeding for 20 years that are still mass producing. But I think most of the people that are in the industry now, we're trying to be more of the, those boutique breeders. You know, we're aiming for that. Exactly. You know, we're aiming for that 30 to 40 clutches a year, but just high end, powerful, you know, clutches, you know, those 10, $15,000 clutches. So that it makes it worth it. And you're not just saturating the market with everything. There's enough pet breeders out there to, pro you know, to produce those animals. And even when you're trying to produce high-end clutches, you're going to produce random yellow belly clowns, fire clowns, pastel clowns. Like You're just going to get that. Pass those along, wholesale those off. That goes to the pet market. And press forward with the good stuff. <laughs> so uh shout out to the homie six and inflex and i was on the uh, podcast with uh him and levi the other night and so one of the questions that they asked me is so i'm gonna ask you so yeah i'm still in your question bro uh when <laughs> billy was on their podcast he mentioned that like clowns and pies were, were starting to get on the pastel level and so like my response was like mm. i didn't think it was like that level yet and so like the examples i gave i was like how many clowns do you see in petco and because I've never seen a clown or pickle person. And then I followed that up no. with like, 
how many pies have you seen in Petco? Because me personally, I've never seen a pie in like my local Petco or PetSmart or any kind of store like at that level, right? And so um, a lot of people in the chat said that they see pies at their uh, Petco. So salute to their Petco. Shout out to their Petco. I don't see them wow. in my Petco. But at the end of the day, I guess the point that I was trying to make is I don't think pies and clowns have kind of completely fallen down to the level of pastel. But obviously, like with so many like multi codom stacked animals on top of your recessives and the double recessives and triple recessives, obviously like your pies and your clowns and like basic recessive combos like that right. are kind of like getting lower on the totem pole. What are your thoughts on those? Like, do you think those are more like pet quality states or do you think they still have like a legitimate uh, space in, in the breeding world, if that makes sense, just from a business perspective, right? Yeah, um, it's kind of both. Um, depending on what you have, you know, if you have a four codom female and you've got a visual pied or a visual clown male, that may not be a bad pairing, especially if you're just starting out. You know, if it's in your first year or two, you know, and you're coming in with a smaller amount of money, you can pick up a four gene female, you know, just straight up codon female. You can, you can pick one up for 500 bucks that are decent genes, not just, you know, pastel, pinstripe, spider, you know, like you can get some decent codons in there for, for a very small amount of money. And you can pick up a male clown. You can pick up a proven breeder male clown for 300 bucks on Morphart. So right there, you can make some really powerful het clutches, raise those females up, breed the dad right back to them, and produce some really good clown stuff. So there's always a strategy of how you can spend little money and still get a decent return for future projects. But that being said, um, kind of going back to the original question, um, I think... Just since I've been in, I've watched visual clowns and pides probably half in value. You know, when I got in, just visual clowns and 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 pied females, uh, you know, they were pushing 350, 400. You know, well, actually, I shouldn't say that. Males were, were pushing that. Now, it was a little bit more, right? Yeah. You yeah. Got females, and especially like last year, like female hatchling clowns were selling for five six hundred bucks which is just nuts i mean it was good but it was just very surprising you know but during covid all those prices just kind of they jumped they, they just jumped all over the place um but i think now we're kind of coming into the era where where clowns and pides they're just becoming more and more common because as people are trying to hit the higher end animals they're getting a lot of those lower end animals just because you know they miss the odds or whatever um and so i think they definitely could go into the pet market and not so much as breeders but again it just depends on who's buying you know somebody that's just getting into the industry it might make sense for you just to buy a single gene visual pied male or female depending on what what project you're working with and what you already have gotcha true and shout out to the homie Chris and Levi for their question. Uh, that was a great question. Um, and y'all make sure y'all go check check out Flexing and Finessing. Uh, they got a, a dope podcast. So y'all make sure y'all go check that out too. And so you were talking about prices and whatnot. So do you feel like prices right now are kind of where they need to be? 
or do you think we got a market correction coming? I mean, I think prices are already dropping. I, I've seen some stuff on Morph Market that a couple years ago was double the price. I mean, even some of the Stranger stuff. I mean, Stranger Hat Clowns, last year when I got my mail, Stranger Hat Clowns were going for seven, $8,000. Now, Stranger Hat Clowns, they're, they're going for four, five, depending on what's, what's with them. Even visual, Stranger Clowns now are going for seven, 8000 So there's definitely been a drop in the market. And I think it's good, sort of. You know, I think it, there needs to be a correction because COVID prices skyrocketed. And a lot of people got into the industry. People were just spending money. The government was pumping money in. You know, everyone was getting their stimulus checks. And so people were just spending a ton of money. So prices skyrocketed. Well, that's now prices weird, are dynamic. going back down. Yeah. yeah. Yep. That's kind of so a now weird prices dynamic. are just going back to normal. <laughs> And and the reason I say that that's kind of a weird dynamic, if you think about it, like like you said, when COVID hit and the prices skyrocketed because like everybody was like getting like free money, basically. It's, it's, it, well, technically, we see like hindsight, hindsight's twenty twenty is yeah. not free money because you nothing's for that free. Now. <laughs> yeah, especially when the government's involved, nothing is free. <laughs> <laughs> You're but gonna pay just, twice what they gave you. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Like yo, yo, we're getting out your ass in a couple of years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but if you think about like the in the inflation effect of like kind of like the COVID prices and how they skyrocketed, and then you compare that like with stuff now, like prices now of every other thing related to everything you're doing regardless if it's ball python related or not all those prices are, are going up like we're kind of like in a, in a weird i mean not even a counter it's like a hyper inflationary period right and so like yeah. even there's even still some downward pressure on the price in a hyper inflationary period so that's interesting and that i feel like that speaks a lot about kind of how much prices kind of skyrocketed like during that COVID period, because it even outpaced the current inflation period we're living in. That's what I'm getting at. Um, in right. a little way, yep. look at it that way. So it's, that's an interesting dynamic, real, very interesting dynamic. So what? So somebody getting into the uh, game like right now, right? So Johnny Q Snake Breeder wants to start breeding ball pythons right now in this market. Uh, what's some advice you got for him? Uh, hopping into the game right now. Get a mentor especially right now where the market is uh, you need somebody that you can ask questions to that won't make fun of you. So stay away from the Facebook, the Facebook yeah. comments and you know, yeah, all stay, of that. Stay away from the Facebook <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, don't be afraid to go to a local reptile show and see a vendor that looks like they know what they're doing and ask, you know, maybe not there, but just, you know, don't, you don't want to ask them a million and one questions as they're, you know, trying to work their booth, but just right, say, 100%. Hey, like, can I get your number? Can I, you know, can I reach out to you and talk to you? It, it always will help if you buy something from them, but that shouldn't always be the case. Um, right. but yeah, having a mentor is something that is very important in this industry. Uh, joining Patreons, another great way. 
you know, we're both in, in Will Morose's Patreon, probably one of the best, if not the best Patreon out there. Oh yeah. yeah. Great group of guys for sure. You know, we're just such a great group of guys. Most of us are all like-minded. You know, we're all trying to achieve the best things that we can. No one, well, we're all always making fun of each other, but no one, <laughs> no one in there belittles anyone or treats anybody like they don't know what they're doing. Yeah, you nobody's know? coming from a bad place with it. No, no. And, and with Will only having the one tier on there, there's, there's no separation between the highest end breeders and the newbie just starting off. And that's, I think, one of the biggest things that I love about the group is a brand new person can come in and ask a question and they're not going to get made fun of and be like, oh, that's a dumb question. There's a there's 20 people that'll jump right on there and say, oh, well, this is what I would do in the situation. Or here's some experience that I have in this situation. It's just a great group of guys. And we didn't have that five years ago. No, When I got in, there was no Patreons. No one was doing this, you know, to try to really help somebody grow their business. It, that was still competition mode back then. Right. It really wasn't until Miguel got in this and really just started, you know, he did his YouTube videos, just really showing the process of him growing his business and talking about the money, talking about the business side of things and teaching people how to actually grow your business properly. And then that kind of set everybody off into this, oh, well, now I want to help people mode. And I think we needed it as an industry, for sure. So Especially hearing some of the stories then. from old times. <laughs> so I wasn't around like like back then, right? So that was before my time, like when Miguel first got into it. But I know Miguel ain't been in it like, like he ain't been in it 20 years like some people, like, like no. Ozzy or something like that. So I know he, he kind of like, he's been in it longer than me, but not like Ozzy level, right? And so- right. I imagine so Miguel was kind of like the catalyst for a lot of that change. I imagine like being the catalyst, and I've heard this before too, right? Like Miguel got a lot of hate initially from some of like the some of the old heads, for lack of a yeah. better term. Um what what do you think about that and kind of like what drove that? And have you seen like any change in mentality from some of those old heads? So like why do I think they made fun of him or mm-hmm. Like, why do you think uh, Miguel I think got a lot of hate? And do you and have you seen like some of those same people who was hating initially? And, and it's to your knowledge, obviously, right? And from your unique perspective, but do you think some of those people have kind of changed their tone and really kind of uh, got on the train? Yeah, I think some have. I I think it was kind of two sided. I think I think they were scared because this guy came in, had a lot of money, and was not afraid to show what he was doing. And he immediately came in, befriended Justin, invested a lot with Justin because Miguel's smart. He's a business guy. So he knew that if he wanted to exceed, he needed to rub shoulders with with the people on the top. And you're not going to get any more top than Justin. So I think that was a little intimidating for some of the other breeders out there who've been doing this for 15, 20 years that were stagnant. You know, here's this new guy off the block coming in, dropping coin and really trying to make this a business and teach others how to do it, that's going to give them more competition. So if you have that, that old school mentality of, well, I want to be the only dog in the, in the yard, then I can see how that would be a little terrifying. Uh, and then I think people hated on him just because of his, of his money. He came in with money. Well, right. he's a business guy. 
he came in with money that he worked for and just carried it on to this. That's how, that's how businesses work. But a lot of people hated on him for that. So yeah, it is what it is. Yeah, it is what it is. Uh, He's he doing pretty well for himself. <laughs> for sure. Miguel's a great guy. Yeah, yeah. So uh, about how many animals are you working with right now? Uh, I've got about 50 breeder females right now. Uh, and then uh, about 40, 45 holdbacks just from this season. So the next okay. next couple of years, we'll uh, – Will have definitely rotated some stock out. So, is there a max number of breeder females that you want to have, like roundabouts? At least where I'm living now, eighty is the max that I can have. Okay. Uh, I mean, I, I probably could have a few more if I have them in some of the smaller tubs, but at least in my my bigger tubs, um, I can have eighty females. That's I've got two racks, and, and I probably questions? won't get that big while I live here. Gotcha. <laughs> Because gotcha. that's going to be a lot of babies, too. They don't really have space so, for that many hatchlings. So market conditions excluded. Um, I'm more so talking about, like, from a, a level of work perspective, right, and how much output you want to uh, have if in, like, prime market conditions. What do you think your max amount of clutches uh, you want to shoot for? Like, is it 80 or is it somewhere, like, lower than that? Like, maybe 60 or so is your sweet spot. What do you think about that? Um, I probably want to be in the 75 to a hundred range. Um, okay. like guaranteed clutches. Um, but that'll be years from now. Gotcha. Like, as opposed to a lot of people, I kind of want employees. Gotcha. So I like, I feel that if we're able to make as much money as you can with ball pythons, I think it'd be good to be able to give a few other people opportunity to, give them pay to, you know, give a, give a job. Um, and then at the same time, it'd be really good for me and my wife to be able to go on vacation and know that I've got somebody that can watch the animals that is there every day and knows that the rooms, you know, knows my snake room, just like I do. And I don't have to worry when I go on vacation, you know, gotcha. All <laughs> it's right. just simple things like that. <laughs> well, fast forward is 2027. So it's five years from now. HP Reptiles just took off, took off. The market is strong. You need an employee. All right. And so you're interviewing uh, the applicant, right? So so what's some type of questions are you asking them? Like what kind of employee are you looking for? Somebody trustworthy. <laughs> That's the big one. I mean, you can't ask somebody that because, of course, they're going to say, well, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm great. I'm great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, won't, I won't pocket your triple resistance. Yeah, man, I don't know. Like, that's kind of one of those things that I've thought about. Like when I'm actually at that stage where I'm ready to hire someone, you know, I would reach out to, you know, Justin or, or, you know, Ozzy and be like, all right, I'm getting ready to hire someone. What is your thought process? You know, when you hire someone. You know, because obviously Justin's hired, you know, a handful of people, you know, so I'm sure he's got a, a really good, I mean, it's Justin. So of course he's got a really good interview process. Like he has, to, yeah. you know, it's probably a PowerPoint and, you know, it's in a, in a, integrated into clutch somehow. And, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I really don't know. I don't know. Yeah. That's interesting. Right. Cause like, 
you you know like how you're going to interact with your animals you know how you're going to take care of your collection but it's hard like letting go and letting somebody else do that right like yeah. um I, I trust two people in my snake room right now like to to just know it's done right that's myself and my wife Dakar. um nobody else right so yeah. my son come in my snake room um in our snake room like all the time right but i wouldn't trust him to like just like fully take care of everything the way i want it done right like right two people right now and so it would be <laughs> kind of hard letting that go and i realized like if you want to get to like a certain level or whatnot you have to let that go but it, it will be hard right and, and and i don't know like what i would ask him like i don't know if i want somebody new off the streets who maybe they just take care of reptiles and they're, they're they're good with reptiles. They understand reptiles. Or I don't know if I want someone who like understands like the breeding industry. I don't know. I don't know. And so like, yeah. I mean, obviously I'm a long way from that. Right. And so um, I don't have to make those decisions anytime soon, but that's a good point. Asking somebody who's, who's, who's been through it, like a Justin or even an Ozzy or somebody like that. I know Will has, a, um, has somebody who helps him like on a full-time basis uh, for the most yep. part. Yeah, and so Adam. asking those people who've been through that, yeah, Adam, that's right. And so, yeah, but yeah, it's, it's, it's hard. It would be hard for me to let go, right? Because like I have a, I have trouble sometimes letting go of tasks at my job that I'm not the owner of, right? Like I, I don't, I don't own my job, but and so like being like the owner of it, I know it'd be even harder, right? Just to let it go, right? Because right. you're used to the way you do it, right? And so, and then sometimes it's like. They might do something a little bit different than you do it or not the exact way you would do it. And you got to wonder, like, does the little nuance add value or is it just a preference? Right. And so, like, things right. that are just a preference, but there's really, like, no value proposition up or down for it. At the end of the day, it don't matter. But you like it because you're emotionally attached to it because it's the way you do it. And so does that matter? And so, like, those little kind of things like that, it'll be hard uh, to to, to get through for me at first, but just like everything, it's a learning process. You get better as you go. You got to be a disaster before you're a master. But yeah, yeah, yeah that, that'll be dope. So it'll be interesting to see what what actual questions you do ask when you're ready. Um, you, um, by the time I'm there, you will have been doing it for a few years. So I definitely ask you, Yo, what's up? <laughs> Sounds good. What were some pros? Can, what were some cons? What did you learn? Yeah. <laughs> I can tell you all my mistakes. <laughs> so cameras, <laughs> cameras everywhere. <laughs> I just came home one day and like five snakes were missing. <laughs> and they said they didn't know what happened to them, so I had to put in some cameras. <laughs> Yep. 100%. Put those up yeah. at the start. Don't be afraid to say, listen, I got cameras all around this place. So I'm watching you all the time. <laughs> Big brother is watching, bro. That's right. <laughs> I'm a nice guy, but these are my animals. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Sosa. Don't fuck me, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> So um, oh, right now it's just it's just you and your wife doing the snakes primarily. Yep. So what's that yep. routine? Pretty, so, like? so pretty much I do all the snakes, um, and my wife and my mother in law take care of all of the rats. So oh yeah, I'm, that's right. I'm very blessed, like, bro. <laughs> How yep. did you pull that off? Like 
Like, like, how did you make that ask, or did she volunteer to do it? No, she volunteered. Uh, she just wanted wow. to help. My wow. mother-in-law is a, a very awesome woman, for sure. Wow. Yeah. Shout out to shout out to your mother. Definitely. What's your mother-in-law's name? Uh, Alicia. 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 Or Lisa. Okay. Shout, shout, yeah. Shout out to Lisa. Yeah. That's that's dope, bro. That's dope. Yep. That is dope, bro. All right, and so, uh, yeah, so. routine before I cut you off. <laughs> yeah, so uh, pretty much on Wednesday nights, um, my mother-in-law comes over, and her and the wife, uh, they go in and they clean the rats. And when when they do that, I get all of the rats out of the grow-out bins, and then I feed the snakes at the same time. So it oh, makes nice. it easier for them because I'm cleaning out a bunch of racks, so it makes it easier for them to you know clean a bunch of empty tubs. And to circulate things, move new rats into the grow-out tubs, and then obviously whatever I return, they just put in the appropriate places. You know, so it's a good teamwork that takes place on Wednesday nights, and then I do uh, the bulk of my cleaning on uh, Fridays. So okay. I come through and do like my big, my big clean, and then I just kind of spot spot check throughout the week. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, um, so. Have you been breeding rats like the entire time or did you kind of get into it as you got more snakes? Uh, almost the whole time. Uh, when I first started, I did uh, frozen rats and that just wasn't fun. That I, did, I didn't enjoy that at all. I tried it. Twice. <laughs> it just wasn't a move for me, bro. Like, it's, uh, I'm good. Yeah. It was just gross. I don't know. Like I, I originally started, like I would, have a bucket of like really warm water. And then I would just like put all these frozen rats in there and then everything just smelled like wet rat. And I'm like, nah, enough of this. So we started, we started breeding our own rats. I think right after our first season okay. and <laughs> I did the dumb thing where I started breeding my rats in my snake room and couldn't figure out why my snakes were always cranky and, and honestly, sometimes they were picky eaters. And I think it's just because they were constantly smelling the rats in my room. Uh, so that's when we put them in a different room in the house. And, and yeah, now we have a whole rat room and we're able to uh, provide enough rats for us. And occasionally we're able to sell some too. Uh, so that kind of recoups some of our food costs. So okay. it's a pretty good, and pretty so good system. Are you strictly on like Norwegian rats or do you be some breed some other kind of rodents as well? Uh, so we do the regular Nor Norwegian rats, uh, African softers, and mice. Okay. What's so your a little favorite bit of ones to work with? Um, I mean, the regular rats are, are probably the easiest. Okay. Um, but the African softers, they definitely take up less room, and they have a lot of babies. Um, but it's just good always having that mix. So whenever I get a female that goes off food, I can just, okay, well, I'm going to give you an ASF this week and see if you eat that. And then usually a couple weeks on an African software, and then I can throw a regular rat back in there and, and they, you know, we usually take it. Okay. And so you got pretty like, good. You got like racks that you breed them in, I imagine. Yep. Yep. I've, all of the racks that we have are uh, handmade. Um, okay. I just didn't want to invest the money, you know, with an ARS or freedom breeder for the rats yet. Sure. Um, sure. That and also the tubs are a little bit longer and it's a pretty okay. small room. So that would also, we would be able, we would have less animals in the room if I had professional racks. 
But in the future, we'll definitely switch to some really good racking and, you know, Rocking water lines them. that they can't chew out. <laughs> <laughs> that was actually one of my questions. But uh, real quick, roundabouts, I'm not asking you to pull out a tape measure, but about how big are the tubs? Uh, I think they're about 20 inches long, give or take. Okay. 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 And you use uh uniformly sized tub for your, like your rats, your ASFs, and your mice? Okay. Yep. So, so the mice are actually in. I think it's the the FB tens. Okay. I think maybe. I'm not sure. Okay. I'm not very good with the rack sizes. <laughs> the, yeah, the yeah, sizes. yeah. <laughs> I don't know nothing about Freedom Breeder uh, size tubs. Like. Yeah, it's, it's they're basically the size breeder. of these tubs. They're just a okay. little bit deeper. So I think okay. these are actually FB tens. Gotcha. So gotcha. it's whatever. Maybe it's the FB five for the rodent tubs. I don't know. Something like that. They're just a little bit so, deeper uh, than these ones. Gotcha. And I'm actually going somewhere with like all this questioning about like dimensions and stuff like that. So like we breed ASFs, right? So at first it started out as kind of like we did a little bit on the side for a few snakes, you know what I'm saying? Were problem eaters and only eight ASFs. And then like the extras we would feed to like our really good eaters who we could switch back and forth, right? But mm -hmm. we was talking earlier about inflation and stuff like that and just how everything's going up, like sort of cost of food is going up the cost of bedding is going up well technically speaking the cost of bedding hadn't went up since we got into it but it's it's only a matter of time before even that goes up right yeah and so like our local guys um because i go to like one guy who's kind of like a hub for like a lot of local breeders and folks who need like a lot of rodents like at once right and so like i go pick up every tuesday or whatever and he sources his rodents from a number of other uh, breeders, right? But he recently had to go up on his stuff just because his prices were going up. And so, like, I understand that, like, from a business perspective, like, you got to cover your costs and you got to make, like, a certain margin for this to be, like, a profitable business for you and for you to be able to carry on operations and the operations to be working. So I totally get that, right? But I'm, we face with the same dilemma, right? And so we got to think about it from that same perspective, right? And so, like, what we've done recently is kind of like upped our production or we've upped our anticipated production. And so we like started creating more colonies and stuff like that. And so I was just kind of like wondering, cause I'm trying to do the math in my head. And so where I was going to, what I was going to ask is a, like for your ASFs, cause we're strictly focusing on ASFs just because of uh, the fact that for us, the ASFs produce like a good number of babies. The smell with ASFs is a lot less. Yeah. So AS and our ASFs are like like they like cuddle bunnies, like right. And so <laughs> like, <laughs> like I've heard horror stories about like ASFs is just demons and stuff like that, but not ours. Yeah. Ours like super super duper tame. So it's like been a pleasant experience in my opinion. <laughs> and I'm trying to do like the math, right? And so like I feel like. I need to have like an average number of babies per female in a in a colony, right? And so, like, what is your average number of babies per female in a colony, like for a month for like your ASFs? And then the follow up question to that is like, what size colonies are you running? Uh, so average for for our ASFs is probably like sixteen to eighteen. Um. And I'm not exactly sure on the colony size. 
honestly, I don't know a lot about the rats. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. My my wife, you'd have to have my wife on a podcast and she can talk to you yeah. all about rats. I'll have to get your wife um, and your mother law. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm not exactly sure how many uh ASFs we keep in a colony. I know we used to do, I think, 2.6 or something. We had two males okay. in there just in case a, a male died. Then okay. that second male would still be in there because if not, then the females will, they're basically done or you have to raise up a, a baby male in there. You know, the ASFs are a little bit wonky with that where they have like an established colony and if they're not happy, then they'll just all kill each other. Um, right. You know, they'll, they'll, they'll gang up and they'll kill. Like, if you just throw a random male in there, they'll just kill it. Oh, yeah, he'd go. Yeah, because he'd it, go. yeah. You know, he's, not, he's not part of the, the family. He ain't part of the clique. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was not chosen. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, like, what I've heard is, like, if you if you do have that happen, like, your male dies and there's, like, a, uh, some babies in that colony. And you still want to keep those females, maybe they're not that mature or whatever. And so you don't really want to get rid of those females. Then right. use a male, like like one of their sons, essentially, and like let him stay in there or let two of their sons stay in there or whatever, however many males you need. So that's what I've heard. Yep. I haven't had to go through that yet, but um I have had like uh like two males. I think we ran like a two six, but we were using um those lab tubs from like reptile mm -hmm. basics and the males kept like going at it bro and i don't know if it's just because it was too many in that tub but the males just kept going at it going at it like we had to take one of them out because like i don't even know how he was still living because they got in a bad fight bro <laughs> like a bad fight like like it was sick and so like if your kids listen to this cover the ears like i'm sorry if you get if you got a weak stomach but it was nasty bro like like guts on the side nasty so like we had to take yeah. them out and um we ended up feeding him off just because like he couldn't have a quality of life like that. Like, I wouldn't have a quality. Of right. Life like, that. like it was, they got into it pretty bad. bro. Yeah. Like it was just, yeah. When you're at that yeah, point too, you figure, you know, you have them because they're feeders. So we right. do the same thing. You know, you get an animal that's starting to get beat up or whatever. Okay. You know, he's just going to get beat up elsewhere. Cause he already smells like blood. He's obviously exactly. a weaker animal. So exactly. more than likely, he's just going to get picked on it, you know, in a different tub. So might as well just be food. That was the intended purpose anyway. So, yeah. Exactly. Right. And then quality of life and all that kind of stuff. And so, like, we just ended up feeding them all. But uh, I haven't tried to run two males in one, like, tub since then, just because of that one bad experience. Maybe we should try it again because it might have just been like an anomaly. Because I mean, if you think about it, it's kind of like anecdotal evidence, uh, right? We just had it happen one time, and so we're like, "No, no, it doesn't work. It doesn't work." <laughs> so that's not really like a scientific method. But um, I might try it again though. And like right now, we're running like one point fours, and I got one that's like a one point five because I want to see and add a little bit more of a scientific me method to the madness, uh, so to speak. But yeah, just playing with it and trying to figure out because um, in my projections, I'm doing like 12 babies per male. I mean, not per male, but per female per month. But I feel like we, we probably get a little bit more than that. Like I'm not doing a great job of like record keeping and whatnot and saying, hey, I got 19 babies on average from these females per month. I haven't been doing that great of a job at record keeping because it can quickly get out of hand like 
like tracking all yeah. of that. But um, I'd rather be safe than sorry. Like I was, I was always raised to it's better to to uh, have and not need than need and not have. Because I can always yep. like, feed off some extra. I can always sell some extra. But I kind of want to take like a more conservative approach and sandbag it because inevitably, I mean, we're talking about living creatures. We're talking about like all kinds of factors. So something could go wrong. So if something goes wrong, I don't want to be like operating on like such a small margin that something goes right. wrong. And it like materially affects me. You feel what I'm saying? Like I want it to be yep. like something goes wrong. Okay, cool. That that's fucked up. But I can absorb that, and the show the show can continue. You feel me? Definitely. So so that's where we're at with it right now. But I definitely want to be more self sufficient on the ASFs. But I'm a little concerned about like establishing like hashlings that I'm not holding back on ASFs and then giving them to other people. Um, because like I still kind of believe that myth, and it might be a myth, right? Because I got some animals that go back and forth on it, but I haven't done a whole lot of testing with just like establishing establishing hatchlings on our ASFs and then trying to feed them other things. So I don't want to. What I don't want to do is like sell a hatchling to somebody else. It's been eating ASFs the whole, whole life. This person don't have access to ASFs, and then they're trying to feed mice, they're trying to feed rats, and now the snake won't eat, and now they think. Mike sold him a bum ass snake because that's not it. It's just <laughs> first ASF. You need to come buy ASFs for me. Come come get them for me. I got you. <laughs> yeah. Yep. But I wouldn't do that. But I don't I don't want them to like struggle <laughs> with the animal, right? And so like um it could be a myth. So have you had any experience with that? Like any animals or any hatchlings that you started off on ASFs and they wouldn't switch over to something else readily? Uh I actually have a couple right now. Um that are eating ASFs that I have not gotten to take regular rats yet. Uh, they've probably each eaten maybe five or six ASFs. And typically what I'll do is um, like on feeding night for any of the hatchlings, I will throw a regular rat in there and then I'll just leave it overnight and then hope that they eat it by morning. If not, then I take it out and I throw an ASF in and then they, you know, take it instantly. Um, but I always want to make sure I give them the opportunity to eat a regular rat because obviously that is the goal. I want them to eat regular rats. Um, and that would yeah. be my luck with it, bro. Like, um, I would have, <laughs> I only do ASFs, bro. Like, why, why is this guy offering me a rat? I don't eat rats. Yep. I, <laughs> I came from home and they serve ASFs. Is that all you got on the menu? Like, that would be my luck, right? And it's going to be calling me, like, I put my hatchling in this 40 gallon and it will not eat this this mouse. I put my hatchling in this 40 gallon with no hide, no anything, and it won't eat the mouse. <laughs> you sold me a bomb snake. <laughs> <laughs> yep, I've definitely had my fair share of uh of messages like that. <laughs> <laughs> and like that's just yep. something I don't want to do with. Uh, A because um, I don't want the snake to be struggling, but then part of it is just like like having to deal with something that can be avoidable. So like I I just want to come over like a like at least a happy medium, right? And so I don't know yeah. if I'll always be hundred percent self sufficient because I don't want to breed Norwegians and I don't want to be breed mice especially. And so I just have to come up with a happy medium. Yeah, definitely. So have you done any genetic testing? Not yet. I'm waiting for two more snakes to shed, uh, and then I'll be sending my first batch off. Um, basically, because now knowing that my 
pastel ultramel male is triple het caramel clown pied now i had to look back in all three of the clutches that he produced this year and now every female holdback i have is 50 percent het pied so now i had to wait i was just getting ready to send in all of my sheds before i realized that so then i had to wait for all of those females to go into sheds so i can collect their sheds so then i can send them all in and figure out who's het pied or you know hopefully some of them are head pied so yeah, I'm I'm about to. I think I got like ten or eleven sheds or something that I'm going to be sending in. Okay, dope. Um, Soon. Do you feel like that's going to change your strategy in terms of like pairs that you're willing to do? So do you feel like you would do like quote unquote riskier pairings or pairings with like a with longer shot odds? Um, now that genetic testing is available and you can test and see if you hit or not. Yeah. Uh, some of my pairings this year are definitely set up that way. Um, I think probably three or four pairings I have specifically set up where I know that I'm going to have to get the whole clutch tested just to figure out what's het. Um, I don't want a lot of clutches that way. Um, just because a, I'm cheap. I don't want to spend that kind of money, you know, to do a whole panel test or, or whatever I need to do. You know, to figure out the genetics on every single baby, you know, that's $1,000 per clutch, you know, 900,000 bucks per clutch, um, you know, and I'd rather just be able to guarantee everything is set, you know, just breed accordingly. You're muted and very uh, staticky. I don't hear you. All right, the static just went away. Can't hear you. Excuse us while we experience some technical difficulty. <laughs> I still don't hear you, man. Uh-oh, I think it's just me now. Well, who wants to see uh, the Ultramel Clown Pie? <laughs> oh, not that one. Here's the, the star of the year. Oh, you're going to bite me, aren't you? Such a cool animal. It's so nice when you get really powerful animals like that and they just are good eaters. Can you hear me now? 
I hear you. I'm back. Guess who's back? <laughs> back again. Mike is back. <laughs> Tell a friend. <laughs> Guess who's back? Guess who's back? Guess who's back? <laughs> I yeah, thought I was going to have to finish the show, man. I, I don't know. I was going to do those hot seat questions with myself. <laughs> I was going to see the script, the, tra- the uh, transcript. I can't even see it. As <laughs> you're reading out here, okay, is. Mike said to do. <laughs> <laughs> so as I was oh, leaving, um, you was going to pull out the uh, Ultraman Clown pot? Yeah, that already yeah. happened. Oh, you already pulled it out? Yeah, I'm going to definitely have to go back and watch the replay. (laughs) (laughs) I I had to think of something to do. I appreciate it, bro. No one wanted to see me do the white man dance. (laughs) (laughs) Way to think on your feet, bro. (laughs) Like, I'm trying to pull out a triple recession. (laughs) Way to doubt, pull out the triple recession. That's right. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, way to think on your feet, bro. I forgot. Like, Man behind the curtain. Like, okay, look at this. We know what we're doing. We got this. <laughs> oh, I for- man. I forgot, like, what I was even asking or where I was going with what I was asking. We were talking about genetic testing. We were talking about yep. testing. Oh, yeah. I think what I was asking. So, are you going to. You're not gonna worry about testing animals you might not potentially hold back, right? You're just gonna you're not gonna be testing animals that you know for a fact, regardless of how the test comes back, you're gonna sell it. Right. Like, for instance, like if I get some really good females, I'll probably send those sheds off if I'm considering holding them back. Uh, you know, same thing. If I get a really powerful male and I'm like, okay, well, if this one is heck clown then I'll definitely keep it because I know it's double het for this or, you know, het for this. Um, but yeah, like stuff that I'm selling, I'm not going to, I'm not going to test. Um, I think that's something that we are going to, as a bridge, we're going to probably be crossing in the next year or two. And I think it's going to kind of be a, a gimme. Like you have a, a clutch that you're not a hundred percent sure on the genetics. It just has to be tested. I just, I, kind of foresee that coming um and i get it um but i i'm the type that i don't like feeling like i have to do something um but i have a feeling that's where we're gonna end up coming to you know you're not going to be able to post any pos hats on morph market like if you're going to post an animal it needs to be ran through the morph market system and if it is pos het it has to be genetically tested and it's either that or you don't post it on Morph Market. Uh, I hope that's not the case, but just the way that the building blocks are being set, I could definitely see that happening. And I get it. Um, you know, it, it'll definitely reduce the risk of people trying to scam others. True. But, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, I feel like in a, in a lot of ways it can be beneficial for the industry. Like, I, I, I'm like you. Like, I hate having to do something. But at the end of the day, I feel like that's the way that we're trending. And so in a lot of ways it is beneficial, right? And so if we can get like a good like infrastructure in place to where there's like some solid internal controls and it can reduce the risk, like you say, and kind of like um maybe not a hundred percent eliminate, but at least mitigate the risk and cut it down like um materially of people trying to scam and stuff like that. I feel like that's a net positive for the industry, in my opinion. Yeah. 
Yep, for sure. And plus it eliminates like the need to have to wait two or three years to prove something out or however long it takes to prove out whatever animal you, you're waiting on proving out. So it eliminates that too. And so there's you don't have that uncertainty. And so that's 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 a benefit. Um I yeah. mean there's it's not all good. I mean nothing's all good, but nothing's also all bad either. So Right. Yep. I feel like. It's very true. Cool. All right, bro. And so um, I actually got some random questions for you. But before we get into the random question, there was one more question I wanted to ask you, uh, specifically snake related. So you've been in the game like five years, five and a half years now. And do you ever see yourself like starting a Patreon and starting to get kind of like a, a, a following on Patreon or anything like that? Or do you see yourself expanding on any of the social media platforms? And if so, what does that look like for HP Reptiles, at least based on how you're currently thinking about it? Uh, as far as Patreon goes, I've thought about it, but I, I don't think I'm far enough along in this industry that I think people should really be taking my advice. <laughs> I don't know if, I, if my advice is that valuable to be giving out to other people and especially collecting money, hard-earned money for that. Um, maybe in the future. Um, I've thought about starting a YouTube channel. Uh, it's still a thought process. <laughs> <laughs> right now, I just want to get good at, you know, trying to post on Instagram every day. I can't even do that. So <laughs> yeah, you, you post some videos about, uh, that ultra male clown pie, bro. You will get several thousand views on that one quick. Yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so I would encourage you to do it. Um, for me, YouTube has been helpful a lot uh, because before we just focused on IG and it was really just kind of like the hand picture or just a picture of the snakes and stuff like that. So really like getting out there, um, being on YouTube and the show's been like really like a godsend in a lot of ways just because like I've been able to connect with people I might not have otherwise been able to connect with, at least not at that level. And for that amount of time and just like really get to chat with them and, and get to know that much more about them. Um, like we got a chance to talk at Tinley and we talked for a while, but there was still like that pressure, not any, by anything you did, but just like me mentally respecting the fact that you out here on your, you out here on your grind at Tinley, like working. I didn't want to like take up your booth too long because like, I know you got to focus on um, customers and stuff like that. So I didn't want to take up too much of your time at Tinley because like at the end of the day, you at Tinley, you're on a mission, right? You're trying to sell snakes. Right. You got to interact. You got to interact with a whole bunch of people. Right. And so, it would have been like disrespectful in my opinion of me to try to like take up all your time. Like imagine if I would have came to your booth, we've been on here an hour, 30 minutes and 54 seconds. It's right now. Imagine me standing at your booth that long, like trying to talk to you. Like it would have been crazy. You'd be like, bro, get the hell on. <laughs> so this is opportunity to connect outside of like environments like that. And so like, it's just been beneficial yeah. uh, to connect and just more people see you, people see your face and stuff like that. So, YouTube is cool, right? Um, IG is cool. YouTube is cool. I'm not huge on Facebook. Like, I, I do a little bit on Facebook. I post. But to be honest, bro, like, I don't even know if, like, from an ROI perspective, posting on Facebook is even worth it. Right. Um, in a lot of cases. Because you deal with, like, a lot of drum and stuff on Facebook. Um, and it's, it's some places just, just, like, super quiet. Like, there's a few Facebook groups, I'm not going to call them out, that I do frequent like on a regular basis um 
for like reptile related stuff or ball python related stuff specifically. But outside of that, I don't do a ton on Facebook, you know what I'm saying? Ball python related or reptile related in general. But YouTube yeah. and IG, I feel like it's where it's at right now. But yeah, yeah, definitely uh, looking forward to see if, if you do like a Patreon or something, that'll be super dope. So speaking of the random questions, so the first one is if you could live anywhere in the world, where would that be and why? Hawaii. Hawaii? Because okay. it's beautiful. <laughs> so I got to ask you this. What are you going to do about the snakes? Because you can't have them on, in Hawaii. That'll be past that. <laughs> 30 years from now. <laughs> okay, gotcha. gotcha. If, if, I, if I can retire and, and move to Hawaii, oh, I'd do it. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. yeah Get Hawaii some Airbnbs is- out there or something and, yeah, go that route. Yeah, that'll be a dope spot. Like, I've never been there personally, but um, I've seen, like, pictures and I hear stories and stuff, so that'll be dope. That'd be super dope. Yeah. I mean, unfortunately, I haven't even been. I mean, obviously, Hawaii is not outside of the country, but I haven't been outside of the country. I haven't been off, like, the this landmass. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so if you could have dinner with any three people, dead or alive, who would that be and why? Oof. Man, um, Steve Irwin. Word. I'd love to just pick his mind and talk to him about conservation. Just to have a nice formal dinner with him. Well, I don't know if you can have a formal dinner with Steve Irwin, but <laughs> at least a dinner. <laughs> um, man, three people. Hmm. Man, I want to have a dinner with Justin Kabilka. Oh, dope, dope. <laughs> just, just a one-on-one, you know, just go sit at a diner and just have a conversation, you know, just one-on-one time. So you feel like all your questions will be ball, th- ball python related, or do you feel like you got some other questions you want to ask? Uh, probably pretty much ball python related, you know, market questions and just, you know, where he really sees things going in, in the future. Okay. Okay. That's you know, kind of that yeah. future, future planning. Um, you definitely learn a lot person. in that conversation. Yeah, definitely. Um, a third person, man, that's a tough question. Ah. <laughs> uh, Hmm. I want to sit down with. I want to sit down with Donald Trump. Okay. Okay. (laughs) So what you gonna ask? What you gonna ask? I want to ask what's in the swamp. (laughs) (laughs) He talks about cleaning that swamp. I want to know what's in the swamp. (laughs) What's in the swamp, bro? Why you gotta drain it? Man, I want to know some of these secrets, you know? <laughs> What's really going on? <laughs> you need the inside scoop. <laughs> Sorry if this whole live stream gets taken off YouTube now because I mentioned his name. <laughs> we can delete that footage. <laughs> uh, yeah. We'll have to hope Elon buys YouTube and then it'll be all right. <laughs> oh, man. 
I'm a firm believer that you can learn a lot from 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 everybody, right? You can learn something yeah. from anybody, no matter like what walk of life, no matter where that person is in their life, you can learn stuff from people. Um, yep. If you can learn it from what they do, you can learn it from what they don't do. It's just it's ways to to pull um, learning lessons and life lessons from 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 everybody from everything. It's just all about perspective, right? And, yeah. And taking the best part and keeping it for yourself. All right, so you won ten million dollars tomorrow. How would you use it? Oh man, <clears throat> probably invest most of it, if not all of it. I what would kind of buy a house. Okay. Oh, ball pythons, definitely. Okay. Yeah, I would. I would probably buy a house, uh, so then I actually have more space. Um, and then I would definitely buy some very high-end ball pythons that fit into my plans, and then I would probably invest the rest into real estate. Nice, nice, nice. Okay, yeah. So some 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 hard assets, and not necessarily paper assets, like like yes. stock market and stuff like that. That's dope. Yep. That's a great plan. A, a great plan. So, what's one question you wish I would have asked you, and how would you have answered it? People always say it's the the hardest question. Interesting this year. That is a hard question. <laughs> oh man. Dude, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Can I phone a friend? <laughs> ask what question they want you to ask me. <laughs> what I what I should have asked is like, where are you gonna send the Ultramarine Clown Pie to Gainesville because you said you didn't know what you want to do with it. I can tell you what you need to do with it. You need to send it to Gainesville. I can shoot you the hub address. Give <laughs> <laughs> my email, my phone number, bro. I got you. Uh, I'll take care of that problem for you, bro. <laughs> oh, man, that's great. <laughs> but yeah, man, that's I don't know. That's a, that's a hard question, though. Yeah, a lot of people say, "Man, that's a hard question. I can't think of anything." And then sometimes yeah. people, uh, some, sometimes people uh, get some like really good feedback, and I incorporate incorporate those in like following episodes, right? Like the first questions that I hit you out the gate with about like stuff outside of reptiles, I think it was Abe, if I'm not mistaken, who said you should ask something like that. And so I've been hitting people with that too. It kind of catches people off guard sometimes because, like, oh, whoa, I, I was coming yeah. to talk about reptiles. <laughs> 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 so, yeah, yeah. Cool. All right, bro. So uh, tell everyone where they can find you online. Uh, I'm on both Instagram and Facebook at HB Reptiles, uh, Morph Market 2 under HB Reptiles. And that's it, just those three places. Sweet. And the links for for your Facebook, uh, IG, and your Morph Market, if I'm not mistaken, is in the description of this video. So y'all definitely go check out HB Reptiles everywhere on social media, Facebook, IG. Definitely go on Morph Market. Drop them an inquiry, but don't drop an inquiry. Ask for a whole bunch of extra pictures and don't buy nothing. If you drop an inquiry, <laughs> <laughs> buy something. <laughs> yes, it's still available. <laughs> 
<laughs> if it's on Morph Market, it's available. <laughs> Most of the time. You do some dope stuff. Dope stuff. And as, as you've heard throughout this interview, he got a lot, he got some dope stuff on deck. And he got um a lot of dope stuff coming in the future. So definitely check him out. Bro, it's been great chat with you tonight. I was really looking forward to this. Um, I'm always looking forward to speaking with the guests. Uh, it, this is like really like one of the highlights of my week. So I really appreciate you taking time out your busy schedule uh, to come kick with us. You know what I'm saying? Like that really means a lot. And so uh, definitely looking forward to talking to you more in the future. Maybe one day in the future, we can get you back on the show again for around two. Everybody in the chat, I appreciate y'all being in the chat. The chat been going crazy tonight. Y'all showed up. Um, I really appreciate that. Y'all was here early. Uh, just really doing the damn thing. So I really appreciate the support week after week. Everyone, if it's your first time coming to the channel, please be sure to hit that subscribe button, um, hit that like button. Uh, all of that helps us out. We really appreciate it. The audio version of this podcast will be available on all major podcast platforms by the end of the night tonight. And another reminder, if you're in this reptile hobby in any shape, form, or fashion, make sure you're out there supporting U.S. art and U.S. art Florida. Sure. We really appreciate that. You definitely got to support the people that support us. Uh, they out there fighting the good fight, the strength in numbers. The link for both organizations are in the description of this video. Again, I really appreciate everyone coming out. Uh, Herbert, can you hang out uh, real quick to, uh, for a few minutes after this? Yeah, um, everyone in the chat, I really appreciate it. Thank y'all for coming out. Be blessed. Peace.